Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where I help strong, capable women excavate the inner garbage in their life so they can become more confident and have more clarity on who they are and how they really want to be in the world. We have rich, juicy conversations about, yeah, you guessed it, empowerment, but also about radiating your brilliance and loving yourself more than you ever have in your life. And who doesn't want that? So join me now for another empowering chat. Hi, everybody. So uh, again, I get to have the most wonderful conversation with this gorgeous, uh, beautiful woman from the inside out as well uh, about her new book. It's called Reclaiming Wellness, Ancient Wisdom for Your Healthy, Happy, and Beautiful Life. And I think this woman is proving that herself. So I want to welcome Jovanka Ciaris. Yes. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Thank you for being here. So uh, I... I just love what I do. I tell everybody this most of my, because I learn so much when I'm with uh, an author, you know, and you look like your book looks like you've done uh, a deep dive, not just for your own personal wellness. Well, yes, for your personal wellness, but also what you've put in here is it's just peppered through with tons of tidbits of what we can do to uh, heal our physical body, but also our mental Mm -hmm. and emotional bodies um, and spiritual bodies. So I appreciate that you put this all together. Thank you. So would you, would you just start with your story, your personal story Mm -hmm. of, of moving towards wellness, reclaiming your wellness? Yeah, absolutely. So I was born and raised in Puerto Rico in what seemed to be at the time a very uncomplicated, easy childhood. Uh, in touch with nature, I, you know, it's a tropical mm-hmm. environment. So I had the rainforest very close. We were at the beach on a regular basis. We were eating foods that were home cooked and came from the land within just a few hours. And I moved away to go to school and to, you know, make my dreams come true. So I moved to the big city of New York and moved away from that lifestyle. And my body gave me what I now call a smackdown Mm. in the form of diseases that while they were not life-threatening, they were considered chronic in nature or acute in nature. And Western medicine didn't have solutions for me. And so in my mid-20s, I was told you can do nothing. You just, you're going to live in pain and discomfort for the rest of your life. And that was unacceptable for me. So I decided to go elsewhere, started reclaiming some of the foods and the practices of my own ancestry and incorporate new practices, things like Ayurveda, traditional Chinese medicine, uh, Western herbalism. And what I learned became a big, big passion, not, not only because it helped my body heal, but because I realized that this information should be accessible to all. So I took it up on myself to share and became an educator, a coach, and an author. So again, I want to just say at the top, I am deeply grateful for your personal journey and what you've discovered. Having gone through a health uh, crisis myself a couple of times and had to move away from Western medicine, I, in my Mm twenties, I was very ill and I went to see 
the, my doctor at the time, who was this very old white guy who looked at me, I was vegetarian. Um, I was a young woman. And basically he told me my discomfort, right? My dis-ease was in my head. Mm. And then he prescribed some pills that multiplied my issue, multiply. Mm. And what was happening is I was becoming a type one diabetic, but didn't know it. And so that right there was my pivot point. And I, I only see female doctors now, if I see an AMA doctor, or, uh, you know, an allopathic doctor, mm-hmm. but you, but I do exactly what you talk about acupuncture, Chinese medicine. I have tried Ayurvedic, my, this particular body doesn't like it, That's okay. <laughs> but yoga and, and being out in nature and, and you, this is everything in your book. So, mm-hmm. so let's, can we take it? Um, let's start with the going within part, because that's the big one for me, Uh, that going within was part of what became my foundational cornerstone for health and wellness within me. So yeah, what, how did you do that? Yeah, you know, one of the interesting things when I was uh, not only discovering some of these practices to help us go within and connect with our spiritual and emotional self was my own journey of discovering that as somebody who grew up with a very structural religious uh, dogma, I was told that some of these practices that you know now are relatively popular today are not in in they're not meant to to be practiced by people with a with a, an established spiritual practice, and nothing could be farther from the truth. Right. The one thing that I discovered is that they could be incredibly complementary of each other. So I, as as somebody who was raised Catholic, I was taught to pray and to ask and to connect with God. Uh, And at the time, I felt like I was disconnected, almost like I was not, um, like I was begging for something and and I was disconnected from what I wanted and from this, this, you know, entity that we know as God or Allah or, or goddess or God, whatever it is that you believe in. Yeah. Uh, what I, when I started to learn about meditation, especially, it opened up my, my realm of possibility. I recognized that, no, you don't need to uh, do something in a very dogmatic way. You can make it your own as long as you find a practice that helps you connect with your emotional home and your spiritual home, yes, you can make it your own. Yes, I so and I love that. I years ago I was because I do guided meditations. Everybody that listens knows that, and um, and that started from my own self healing of 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 trying to get within and connected and all that. And years ago I was invited to um, do a how I forget how they put it. Invited to lead parents uh, invited to it. It was a summer, it was a weekend camp for children um, who had cancer, severe stages of cancer and their parents. And they, somebody who was running the camp asked me if I would lead uh, the parents in some calming uh, exercises is how they put it. And I said, sure, I'll do, I'll do some of my guided meditations. And they went, oh, no, 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 no meditation. Meditation isn't good. Because when you meditate, then 
the devil can come in and get you, which, you know, and I was like, uh, okay, so now I got to think about that. Do I even want to go to this, you know, place where they think those things, which of course I did. And I, I worked with the parents, which people got, they did get calmer, you know, I gave them some tools, but it's fascinating to me how dogmatic practices, uh, religious practices shut the door for so many other um, modal, I mean, the, the reason why there is so many things out there, not just uh, meditation and mindfulness practices, but also in like in your book, there's different um, foods that we need to eat that other, other doctors will tell you aren't good for you. You know, I had a doc, I had a endocrinologist who oversees your hormones and diabetes. And I had I was going to acupuncture. I had found acupuncture. I was doing three times a week, this, this, um, Chinese acupuncturist, phenomenal woman who didn't speak a word of English was literally saving my life. Mm -hmm. And I told my, my regular doctor about it. He said, Oh, you know, that's just smoke and mirrors. There's no truth in that. You know, what's really sad is that it is both the allopathic medicine community and the the rest of us have been indoctrinated. And I believe that we have all become victimized by a system that is telling us only what these people that will end up graduating and putting these white codes, only what they do is valid. But there is thousands of years of anecdotal evidence when it, when you look at some of the other practices. And in fact, a lot of these practices, Ayurveda, Western medicine today uses a lot of the, of the tenets, if you will, of, of the original form of medicine, which was this medicine that we now call alternative. Right. And if we can only find the right doctors to become partners in our healing journey, then slowly we can start changing minds. And there will be other, there will be some that will never change their minds. But I believe that a lot of people in the in the allopathic medicine community are recognizing that something else can be done, that they, they are incredibly reactionary and we need to focus a little bit more on the uh, preventative portion of this. Which a lot of the um, naturopathic uh, modalities present you with is how you can be preventative as opposed to waiting until you got a big kick your ass chronic <laughs> disease that, you know, that you can't, well, allopathic people just don't know. And, and they're also, they're also being uh, trained yeah. by the pharmaceutical companies and the pharmaceutical companies only want to sell you what they manufacture in their plants. It, it, and by plants, I mean the, the manufacturing places, right? But originally medicine started with plants. Right. To this, day, to this day, up to 25% of the world's population still use, uses plants as medicine. And even in big societies like Japan and Germany, uh, it is believed that most doctors now prescribe a combination of um, pharma drugs and alternative, you know, herbal remedies, because we know how effective they are. I mean, herbs are some of the best well-studied substances with the safety, the, the, the safest um, yes. uh, data behind them. Yes. Yeah. Well, because they've been around for eons. Yeah. yeah. So, um, 
so some of the things you recommend for people when they're starting to reclaim their health is, is meditation. But I also saw you have, uh, um, hypnosis. Hypnosis. Yeah. Wow. Uh, It's part of what you were saying a little bit earlier and, and how, and this is not to disparage Western religions or, or religions in general, but it is, it, it was, it's an incredible practice that has been around for thousands of years. The people in Northern Europe used it, the people in, in Northern Africa used it for many years. And it was really effective. We still know of it as a very, very effective technique. But when the religions of the world became uh, the big important you know, practices, they said, no, 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 we need to channel everything through this one set of people and we're going to call them priests right and those people are the only ones that can communicate with god and can help you heal everything else is mumbo jumbo it's not something that you need to worry about and i think it's a huge disservice so in the book i mentioned not only the history to help people which i loved i loved reading that but also the, the science, the modern science telling us how effective these techniques are. They have nothing to do with religion. They're not going to take you away from your spiritual practice. They're just going to complement it and help you heal. Yes. And, and that to me is why it's important to investigate these other uh, modalities. And, um, and, and so it was fun to see that you had hypnosis in here too, because I've, I've dabbled with I've been hypnotized. I'm evidently really a really good subject, um, but it has. I did go. It did help me find a deeper core truth um, within myself that I revisit now uh, because it opened up a memory that I did not know from a previous lifetime. That is one of my core anchors. So um, it's just interesting how uh, all these different ones can help you. And, and it's not, and it's not the, um, not all of these are necessarily for everyone. You got to find the ones that work best for you. Right. Correct. That's the beauty of each chapter or each category of wellness. You'll find in the book, two or three different versions of it. So if hypnosis, you're not ready for it. Uh, you can try visualization practices. You can try basic uh, meditation practices. There's a lot that you can take and understand that these practices are part of our lineage, our ancestry, they're our birthright, and so is our state of wellness. So how about we just you know, open up our minds and hearts and soul, try to learn about them, embrace them, and hopefully reclaim our state of wellness. Yes, and I love, I love that um, you also put in walking meditation and you have, um, I, you, I know you didn't know this Javanka, but you have my favorite affirmations in there. I am free. I am safe. I am capable. I am strong. And, and that has also those phrases right there. I am free. I am safe. I am capable. I am strong. Who doesn't need to know that on a daily basis, right? Who doesn't need to be reminded? And for and I, I put in there uh, the walking meditation because I was one of those people that couldn't meditate at first. I, I could not shut my brain. So I was uh, instead I just put on a little headset and meditated as I walked, and it helped me eventually graduate to other types of meditation. Well, plus in in another. Uh chapter in your book, you talk about forms of other forms of movement. And I know, and from my personal experience, and I didn't realize it, but 
the walking and saying affirmations or mantras as a, as a meditation downloads those affirmations fat. It rewires your brain faster because you're, you're, you're moving the body and the body is also helping the brain to rewire. It's, it's so fascinating how, how amazing our bodies are. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's an innate wisdom in us and our bodies are constantly talking to us, not just our minds. And if we could only listen and, and learn to communicate with it, how much better would we be for it? What was one of the first time, what was, share with us what, when you first realized that your body had an innate wisdom and you started listening, what was occurring that kind of caught your attention? Yeah, I had uh, ulcers and IBS. So the first conversations were those were like gas, bloating, constipation one day, diarrhea the next day, you know, indigestion. It was constant. Uh, and I, you know, chuck it to, oh, I'm hungry or this is what this is what everybody goes through. And nothing could be farther from the truth. Right. But it was not until I got diagnosed with fibroids, which are these benign tumors in your uterus that I definitely said, it's time for me to start paying attention. There's a conversation that's been happening. I refuse to listen. And now I, I'm going to pay more attention. And, and I just did it simply by, you know, putting something in my, in my mouth, eating it, and then immediately journaling. How am I feeling five minutes after a meal, 25 minutes after the meal, maybe 25 hours after that meal? And so you might not consider constipation a communication, but it is. Right. It's your body saying, well, something is not happening. Right, <laughs> right. What could it be? Could it be what I ate? Could it be what I'm feeling, what I'm, um, you know, feeding my mind? Something is, is amiss. And slowly but steadily, you start filling up this, this voice and seeing the full picture. I love that you journaled this because, what, you know, when we... Maybe I should just talk about me, but oftentimes when I eat something, then I'm on to the next thing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm off to do an interview or go to an appointment or have a conversation with somebody. And I forget when my body starts reacting, I forget that it might be related to the thing I just ate. So it's awesome to use journaling as, um, because, uh, I want to hear, I'm saying, I'm hearing conscious awareness tool of how your body is reacting to the food. That's, That's absolutely right. And, and how, I mean, you could extrapolate it to almost everything in your life. Mm -hmm. What I just saw the news, or I just talked to somebody that triggered a feeling in me. What, what is that feeling? What was happening in the moment? You start understanding the connection that you have with others, with the foods that you consume, even with the planet, because you start realizing, you know, every day at three o'clock, I start to feel a certain kind of way. Yeah, it might be anger, it might be anxiety, it might be overwhelm. It, it, it totally makes it gives you a full picture of that holistic part of us that we're all trying, we're chasing for. And it's impossible to do unless you truly pay attention to you. Yeah, becoming aware, aware of not just what's around you, but what's going on inside you. And so many people are more aware of what's around them and what's going on outside of them. That's right. Yeah. So, um, let's, so I, this caught me. Oh, well you talk about a plant-based diet. Let's talk about that a bit. Were you, yeah. 
you said you, when growing up, you ate off the land, you, you know? Yeah. We ate, you know, like this is, this is Puerto Rico. So, so it's a tropical land and there's like tropical fruits everywhere. And this is a small town where, you know, the neighbor had a mango tree and they had a plethora of them. So they will share it with the neighbors. It was a beautiful way of commuting with, with community, but also with the foods from nature. But I also ate a lot of other stuff, right? We ate, um, you know, pork chops and I had a normal diet of rice and beans and all kinds of other, uh, other foods. Once my body gave me that smackdown, I realized there is an issue with inflammation mm-hmm. and an acidic environment in the body that could be causing some of these problems. And as you said, Western medicine didn't know you know, these experts in the human body wouldn't know what the right fuel is for your body. So I started to, to read books and listen to documentaries and podcasts and all kinds of well, podcasts didn't exist when I started changing my diet. Uh, and uh, I first became a vegetarian and it was a journey, right? It took time. I would, I would go back and forth between vegetarianism and regular diet. And eventually I went fully plant-based. So today it is the diet that I recommend is the diet that is that I believe is uh, most um, strongly uh, supported by science in terms of our uh, its ability to help us retain health or reverse some of the conditions that we know today that are uh, plaguing us like heart disease, diabetes, cancer and others. And most of my clients as a coach and an educator, most of my clients are not plant-based, but they come to me with severe inflammation and and chronic diseases. And they want me to help them bring in more plants into their diets. So um, what are a couple of plants you would recommend for somebody with inflammation? Look, I talk a lot about um, an alkalizing diet. And so Mm -hmm. one of the first things that I tell people is to start with what you know and love. So rather than telling you one plant uh, or two or three, chances are there will be one or two things that you absolutely love. It could be potatoes, (laughs) I recognize. And if it is potatoes, maybe it's all about going to the supermarket and finding other types of potatoes. Perhaps they're Japanese sweet potatoes or regular right. sweet potatoes that you might want to try. So it's, it's closely related to what you know and love, but it's something a little bit different and, and, and new. And you want to cook them in the same way that you cook regular potatoes so you're not too super overwhelmed about the process. And then you go from there. Maybe you love you know, mangoes or you love um, bananas or apricots or whatever it is. So start with what you know, increase the amount of that, what you know. And then the third step would be eating the rainbow. Every time you go to the market, am I putting the seven colors of the rainbow in my cart? If I don't know something that is colorful that I absolutely love, this is the time when you want to be creative and, and adventurous and try different fruits and vegetables that you've never tried before that might be on the color scheme that you're not familiar with. So now why is that? Just because it's, it's, uh, it, it, it seems to me like the visual uh, creates like a happy juice in your brain or something, just looking at the colors. It's also a way for mother nature to ensure that we have all the nutrients that we need without us having to go to school and learn about nutrition or become doctors or whatever it is. We know chances are that if you eat those seven or eight colors uh, plus, 
right? Uh -huh. Other colors might may also be part of your uh, of your regimen. You will almost guarantee that you will have most of the nutrients that you need in a single day, whether it is macronutrients or the micronutrients or the phytochemicals that and enzymes and all the amazing things that all these uh, foods have to offer in the right ratio because. Mother Nature, in all its amazing wisdom, knows that, yes, you need vitamin A and vitamin D and C and E, but how about you have an apple, which has all of those in the right ratios that will interact perfectly with your body. Oh my God, I love that. And I have to go to the market later today. I'm going to look for other colors to put in my basket. That I love that. And it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, especially if you're moving from uh, a diet that causes uh, inflammation and, and some other chronic illnesses to, to see and to do it before you really have the bad chronic illness. Right. So remember, you and I were a little bit lucky in that our conditions, our bodies were start, started to talk to us and we started to listen before these smackdowns became life-threatening diseases. Mm -hmm. And so as uncomfortable as you might be today, know that you have the capacity to get a lot worse. So start now, start immediately, do something today that will help reduce acidity in the body, reduce inflammation and get you back to the state of wellness that you deserve. Well, and what I love is what you said earlier, you can, you can reverse a lot of this kind of stuff too, by paying oh, attention. Absolutely. Just, just last month, I went to the doctor with my partner who had not gone to a doctor in 10 years. And of course he's a little bit of a weight. He was found to have early stages of high blood pressure and mm -hmm. high cholesterol. And luckily the doctor that we went to is a plant-based doctor. And the only thing he said was like diet and lifestyle. You can reverse these conditions. All you have to do is take care of your body in the way that you hadn't in the last decade. And in a matter of just a few months, you can be a completely different person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, my son and, his, and my potential uh, soon to be uh, daughter-in-law, uh, are both vegans and they, they, my I raised my son as a vegetarian, but then he chose to be a vegan about five or six years ago, but because he was raised as a vegetarian, he already, I taught him and he knows he seeks out what do we need to eat that gives us the protein we need? And what do we need to eat for, for, so we can have a long lasting energy system, as opposed right. to going for a smoothie or a salad. <coughs> becoming a you know a muffin vegetarian like I was at some point because you can claim to be vegan or vegetarian and eat soda and ice cream and you know fr uh, French fries and that's not the goal right no and that doesn't keep you healthy uh, no it might taste not. good for oh a hot minute but yeah but then you know eventually your body again will smack you down into back into reality our, our body is the wisest thing so you also talk about, um, you have one chapter called oil, water, and heat, which I just thought was so fun because it's, it's got a lot of stuff in here that I love to do. Yeah. So, um, but it's an interesting way to, uh, bring the chapter to people's awareness. Yeah. Other than the use of plants as, as medicine to me, oils and heat and water is one of the easiest ways to ease your way back into reclaiming some of these wellness practices because most of us have easy access to a bathroom 
And most of us can easily spend just a few dollars and buy some base oil, some essential oils, and incorporate them into our routine. And so when I talk about heat and water, I am literally talking about the practices of heating water or cooling water for healing purposes. So saunas and steam rooms, but you don't have to have a sauna at home to embrace them. If you have a bathtub, you can take a bath once a week. And that is practicing not only herbalism, if you include some oils that are infused, but also practicing allowing some of that water to impregnate your skin. Remember 20% of what goes in your body goes in through your skin. So whatever you put in that water will get through your skin into your body and find a way to help you feel better. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, when I do take a bath, I love to put some essential oils in because it oh. also calms me down. It's yeah. a good way to de-stress too yeah. and detox. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't have a bathtub, you will have a shower that may require you to, you know, put the water really, really hot and close all the windows and doors so that that steam will stay in the room a little longer. When you come out of the shower, you can then moisturize with those amazing essential oils, base oils and essential oils, and and bring that medicine into your body. So, uh, Javanka, what are some of the, what are some of the Give us a couple of essential oils that people may not know are really Mm. good, have healing components. Everybody knows about lavender, but. Right, right, right. So uh, you can use uh, rosemary, which is it's a relatively popular one, but it's what people don't know is that it's actually great for as an analgesic. So it helps you reduce pain. Oh. And it also is um, a stimulant. It's a mild stimulant. So students, I remember when I was a college student, my grandmother told me about a, uh, rosemary. She said, you know, grab the little bottle and when you're studying really hard and you feel like you're falling asleep, just smell the essential oil and it'll wake you up. And that's exactly what it did. And I remember being in the library and the librarians will be like, what are you doing? Thinking that I was doing something illegal. And I'm like, no, no, it's just rosemary. Um, so I love it. Another one that people may not know uh, would be frankincense. Oh, I love frankincense. Frankincense, it not only helps you kind of connect spiritually but what people may not know is that it increases digestive flow and it helps you uh reduce indigestion so if you have you can you can inhale you can smell it but you should not put it inside your body unless it is food grade but i also loved it uh when i could find it in food grade form which is a little bit harder to find you can just put a couple of drops in your water and drink that water and it helps you with indigestion in a very, very strong way. There's many I, others out there. Yeah, I did not know that piece about frankincense. I, I've i been using it over the last few years for um, like when my neck gets really stiff and sore, mm-hmm. um, I rub some of that on it before bedtime and I wake up and my neck can move and all that stuff. I and I love the smell. It's Yeah, I use chamomile on a regular basis because as you said, lavender could sometimes get to be a little too much. Mm-hmm. So at, at nighttime, I put, and I mentioned this in the book, I put a little bit of uh, base oil, in this case it's sesame oil because it's warming and grounding. And then I drop a few drops of chamomile essential oils and I massage my feet for a few minutes as I say my little mantras or, or prayer for the night, put some socks on and go to sleep and it helps me sleep just so well. Oh my God, that's lovely. Mm-hmm. With sesame oil. 
Sesame oil as the base oil uh, uh-huh. because it's, it's, you know, you can buy a bottle for $15 and it'll last you months and months and months. And it's very grounding and very warming. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm going to get some because yeah. <laughs> it I need all the grounding good. I can get. Yeah. <laughs> totally, you know. Um, so, so we just reclaiming wellness. What would be like three things you would share with someone uh, for them to start besides some mindfulness, something. Yeah. The first thing I always tell people is to reclaim your space and your time. And what does that mean? Mostly, you know, most of us have weekends, our time during the weekend is a little bit more free. So on one of the days of the weekend, I want you to walk around your, your space and find the one room or space that you can reclaim. It, it might be the bathroom. It might be a den. It might be a spare bedroom. It might be your yard now that it's getting warmer. Uh, and then reclaim your time. And that might mean, okay, what is the one time when this space is empty or I can reclaim it? If you live alone, you're, you're golden. But if you don't, that might mean you have to wake up an extra half an hour early to know that you're going to have that space that is just yours and you will be uninterrupted for whatever, however long you choose. It could be 20 minutes. It could be half an hour. And then once you've found the space and the time, it's all about picking one of the practices to reclaim. And it could be just listening to a podcast or a meditation, reading a book or, or watching a, a, an inspiring video. It could be having a, a, listening to some music and having a good old cry and letting <laughs> things go. I can't tell you how many people tell me in my practice, I just, I just sat with some music and just cried. That's just been, that happens to me almost every other day. If I, if I have, um, I listen to Yo-Yo Ma and his amazing cello work. And within like five minutes, I've got a box of Kleenex and I don't know what I'm crying about, but it, it's every morning, you know? So, uh, and, and crying is a really good, um, therapeutic release of stressors because we all carry grief around that's unexpressed everybody I don't right you know it doesn't matter if you've experienced death in your family you've got grief and it might be from your ancestors that you just might be from the problems of the world and realizing Mm -hmm. how sometimes we feel really powerless but at the end of the day it's about giving yourself permission to emote and to be and to release those emotions and recognize that you too deserve to 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 be well and to just, just let things go. Yeah. And I think a lot of people well, especially in the Western culture, I mean, I, I grew up in California and there was the whole idea of being, and I'm the oldest of being the good girl following Mm -hmm. the rules, you know, it was like, and so anything that I wanted to do that was out of the box or different you know, I was met with, no, you don't do things like that, mm-hmm. you know? And <laughs> so I couldn't even find me until I got to be in my fifties. Listen, I grew up as a middle child and I grew up 
her hearing, when your older sister does it, then you'll get to do it. Mm -hmm. And but she had a very different set of interests than I. So there's a lot of things in my childhood that I didn't get to experience because I was waiting for somebody else to experience it first. It's the silliest <laughs> thing. You know, it's funny because we do our our families of origin, even though they're well-meaning and do love us most of the time. Um the, the, the things that we're told as children and then we believe them to be truth is is also a, a precursor for illness. And yeah. because we're not, we, it, <clears throat> I'm speaking for myself now, I guess, but um, when, when we're at, a, at a, a very young age, not necessarily allowed to be fully who we are, yeah. you know, like, oh, she's a precocious child or, you know, he's a, he's a, rambunctious and needs to calm down when we're not allowed to self-express yeah. to the level our soul is calling us to express as a small child then that becomes our first um our first smackdown like you say right. you know our first okay no you can't do that so then it causes a trauma right that that stays at a cellular level and it could as you said could eventually manifest into serious diseases and it doesn't have to be life-threatening right like it could be anxiety it could be recurring muscle pain it, you know there's a million reasons why we need to heal our childhood trauma and i'm not in no way am i disparaging well-meaning parents because they are also you know right. carrying trauma and doing the best that they could but it's critical that we re-embrace this is where meditation uh, hypnosis and some of these other practices become so powerful well and journaling like you said uh, journaling not just about your food reaction but what what did i just see or witness that is causing me to feel what am i feeling you know and um and i i do that uh often in my journaling practice what who am i today what am i feeling why am I feeling anger or why am I feeling sorrow? And, and it's not to point a finger at something or one, but it's to become, for me to become consciously aware that I am feeling that, yeah. you know, cause a lot of us spend a lot of time, uh, suppressing our, uh, our yeah. emotions, which causes our immune system to suppress yeah. without even realizing it. Cause it's yeah. also interconnected. Yeah, absolutely. I love what you said about asking questions because a lot of people often, you know, get in front of the page and I'm like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> but instead, if you ask what, how, where, when, the why might be the last question to ask because it involves value system. It's harder to answer. That's the reason why we as parents have a hard time answering the, the that why to children. But how about we answer the others first and chances are this entire viewpoint will start to crystallize in front of us. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the best to me, that's how you get to know yourself and, and in knowing yourself, then you become self-responsible. So then you become the one making the choices, not the doctor telling you what you got to do. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and allopathic medicine it, the doctor has the authority and, um, and he's the only one with the authority, even though you are the expert on this machine, exactly body somehow this person is not only the one with the power but it's not even open to the idea of understanding from your point of view yep 
what is going on. And it's important. It's important that we never see doctors as our enemies or as people to battle with, but as our partners. And we yes. go in there uh, empowered to let them know, I know that you're an expert in the heart or in the lungs, but I am an expert in Jovanka. And so yes. I need you to listen to me. And especially women, because we know historically women are not, uh, their, their pain is not considered, their, their trauma, their history is not considered. And, and if you're talking about women of color, it gets a little, it gets a little bit it's hairy, more complicated. Right? Yeah. So it's critical that we, especially as women, uh, take that power back. So Javanka, let's just talk about that a little bit because, because you're a woman of color. Let's talk about why is that different than say my, how I interact with my doctors? Yeah, I think his people need to know this. Yeah. Historically, and this is something that now we have historical reference, but also scientific proof that doctors, and it comes, it starts from hundreds of years ago in the time of, of uh, slavery, we brown people, black people, black bodies were not considered human or, or fully human. And thus we were not believed to be um, experiencing life the way uh, white people experience life. And that included pain, uh, suffering, uh, joy, uh, bonding, and all kinds of other uh, feelings. Fast forward many hundred years ago, we're still struggling with systemic racism in, in, in our systems, in our policies, in our laws. And the, the people that are alive today have been indoctrinated to still, whether consciously or subconsciously, believe that Black bodies can sustain pain, can tolerate things, are stronger, are, are healthier, are bigger, are you know, more, more resilient. And nothing could be further from the truth that we have to start recognizing each individual as, as a universe. And there might be black bodies that are super strong and there might be white bodies that are super strong and vice versa. And this is part of the reason why we need to take control and that power back and then go in there with to our doctor's office when we're struggling with a condition, informed, educated, and and empowered to to go in there and tell them no 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 this is this is a partnership you know something but i know something too and it's important that you listen to me in a kind yes. way yes and respectful yeah yes Absolutely. so i appreciate you saying all that because it's not something that other people other white people think about um and and I love how you said that each body is its own universe. And, mm -hmm. and, and I think that that's true because it, while I do believe we're all connected in one universal consciousness, uh, that each of us, it goes back to the rainbow in my, in my shopping cart, because <laughs> each of us, all those little vegetables, yeah. we, you know, we all have different expressions and different ways of being. And, and like you talked about, the apple has all the vitamins you need in one little compact thing. It, it's true about human beings. We all are, uh, have everything within us that we need to be healthy and yeah. happy but we are just one degree different from each other, even in the same uh, culture, you know, oh. this, you know, where 
our skin, all my skin looks like everybody else's kind of thing. We're all different though, too. So it's, it's interesting to think about the, um, to address people. And this is just human awareness, right? To address individuals as the individual they are and not based on the way they look or even the words that they say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Ayurveda believes that everyone is a universe. And it, what's interesting is that even if you're a twin and you mm-hmm. have grown up in the same environment and you look exactly alike and your gene pool is very similar, you are so much more unique than the person next to you. And uh, that uniqueness is, is gorgeous and it's to be revered. Uh, and, and also to understand at, at the same time that we are part of the collective. And yes, it is a beautiful thing that we have, most of us have all these organs and all these things that we call a body and we all look relatively similar, right? Like if you compare us with another species like a dog or a cat, but at the end of the day, we are so unique and so special. And this machine we call a body, is like a five-star hotel. And you would never, ever, ever, you know, go in there and just throw like crap in the uh, in the five star hotel. You want it to look gorgeous and, and luxurious. And that's what how we need to see ourselves every single day. Yeah. And with I every saw, single choice. With every single choice. I love that. All right. So the book is called Rec- Reclaiming Wellness, Ancient Wisdom for Your Healthy, Happy, and Beautiful Life. And everybody, she's got so many tidbits in here. You know, this is the kind of book I would I will keep so that I can just open it up. What does Jovanka say today? Oh, I think <laughs> I might want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So you have a website. Would you tell everybody what it is? Yeah, it's my full name and last name. So jovankacrs.com. If you type in jovanka, J-O-V-A-N-K-A, and then the title of the book, Reclaiming Wellness, chances are you'll find me. I'm everywhere on social media with the same hashtag. I'm probably the only brown jovanka you will ever meet. So it's a very typical, very popular name in Eastern Europe, but not so much in the new world. Wow. Isn't that fascinating? And you got that name. Wow. (laughs) Wow. And everybody, so we'll have all that information in our show notes as well. So um, is there one last thing you want to say? Oh, I would say to people, you know, whether it is this book or any other book that will inspire you to reclaim a wellness practice, know that when you do, you're not only honoring the lineage and the people that came before you that passed on this amazing knowledge for your benefit, but you will also honor the people that are coming after you, your children, your grandchildren, and the people that hopefully you'll pass this knowledge onto so that they too get to reclaim and, and keep their natural state of wellness. Oh my God. I got chills when you said that. Thank you so much. I'm so glad I asked you that question. Thank you, Jovanka. Oh, wow. So I'm just going to end with, and so it is namaste. Well, that wraps up our empowering chat today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did go to susanburrell.com, you can see all the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, A 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website and just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. 
You can also contact me through the website at susan at susanmorell.com. So that's it for today. See you next time.